Hi, this is Lane. This is Meg. And you are listening to Plotress. Today we're going to deviate a little bit from our usual MO and we're going to talk about things that we got wrong. So um, the title of these, we'll probably try to do one quarterly, is going to be Errata, Not Erotica. Right? <laughs> So um, we're going to just jump around. These actually might end up being recordings that we've sort of pieced together. Mm-hmm. But if we notice we got anything wrong, we're going to correct ourselves. Yeah, we're going to at least try really hard. Because as much as we like to talk about how authors get stuff wrong, we get stuff wrong too. Yeah, I know. So we'll, we'll protect them. If we have any like deeper thoughts about romance novels as a genre that don't really fit in a yeah. particular episode, we'll dive into this here. Exactly. And if you know we see any interesting reviews of some of the books we've read yeah. or any, you know, Uh, listener content that we want to call out, this will probably be where we do it. Great. So, um, the first correction, I know early on in our podcasting career, we were talking a lot about the specific eras in which some of these romance novels occurred, and we have moved away from that somewhat. We moved away from that somewhat, but um, this comes from Darling Beast by Elizabeth Hoyt, um, which if you remember the review or the novel, you know, is about a playwright slash actress. Um, Hoyt's novels are set in the Georgian period. <laughs> so I don't know what we said, but I don't think we... I think, I think we I said th- restoration. Well, we said Georgian, and then I said, no, it's restoration. So Afra Bain, who I believe that the character of Lily was based on, is restoration. But the novel is set in the Georgian period. And... I think we've just moved away from even talking about this, so we can stop getting <laughs> so it wrong. Stop because getting it wrong. <laughs> we're just, we were not at in good at it. But um, uh, yeah, again, talking about uh, Darling Beast, this comes from the same uh, era of yes. our podcasts. This is 100% my issue, and Lane corrected me in the podcast. It is Vauxhall. It's not Vauxhall Gardens. <laughs> in fairness, that's because you speak very good French, so well, intuitively you pronounce things correctly. Well, I mean, I, in I my mind. To the, the British one, <laughs> and I was pretty sure it was Vauxhall. Yeah. But yeah, they were originally the new Spring Gardens. Yeah, so that was founded before 1662. I had no idea that these gardens were around for so long. Yeah. And they became Vauxhall Gardens in 1785. So, yes, Heart's Folly, because I remember in the podcast, we were like, this was obviously Vauxhall Gardens before there was Vauxhall Gardens, but Vauxhall Gardens have been there since the 1600s, 1785 is when it was called Vauxhall Gardens, which is 100% um, compatible with the Georgian time period, when Hoyt's novels are set. So, they were not as innovative as we thought. The idea of the gardens would have been around. Yeah. so there's, oh, I forget, which novel was it where they had a lot of sex on the horse? A lot of sex on the horse? Yeah, this, the mechanical horse. Oh, yes, the shame. It's best Lady Sophia's Lover. Lady Sophia's Lover. They're, they were touring a home, and there is a <laughs> chamber horse. We called it a mechanical horse in the review. Yeah, I don't know what we called it, but and yeah. And it's this workout machine that they had a lot of sex on. And we looked it up. Does not look very sexy. I think maybe it'll be the picture of the Instagram post for this episode. Let's do. Oh, I think that's a great idea. So, so you guys can see what it looks so like. So if you check the Instagram, you'll be able to see what it looks like. But it's a, uh, it's intriguing. I mean, and you know what? Like, I'm sure. I, I will believe. I will believe whatever you write, Lisa Claypus, about Chamber Horse being sexy. But I, looking mm-hmm. at it is tough. You also kind of wonder what goes where. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. vulgar, but you it's do. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll put that picture up, but 
it, it, I, I believe sex on it was a good time. Yeah. But, but I'm sort of, that's a lie. I, how about I sort I'm, of wonder if this is like sex in a hot tub. Where how like about I'm willing it. to believe it was a good time, but I can't be 100% sure. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's like the shower scene, too. Well, and like hot tub sex. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's always portrayed as so sexy, and then you're like, this just seems like an infection waiting to happen. Yeah, but like I said, you know, if Lisa Kleypas writes it, it is sexy. So, like, regardless of whatever it is she's writing about, like, it's sexy. That's true. So, that's why I'm saying I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to believe. Okay, so, <laughs> Mistress. So, in Mistress, the heroine's name is Iphigenia. Okay. But then I was watching, so I caught like the final 10 minutes of Jeopardy the other night. Okay. I do not watch Jeopardy. I do. Um, no. I, I, not I as don't. often as I want to. I, I do watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette though, <laughs> and Jeopardy comes on right before them. Oh, so you catch the end a lot. So I often catch the yeah. end of Jeopardy, and you know, then I feel really smart when I get the final Jeopardy, right? <laughs> No idea how much you would have had to wager, yeah. but that's relevant. But anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know that they talked about the Greek tragedy, Iphigenia. And you want to know how Alex Trebek pronounced it? How? Iphigenia. Do we think that's correct, or do we think that's Alex Trebek getting things wrong? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's how they pronounced it in ancient Greece. No one knows how they pronounced it in ancient Greece. Iphigenia. I said Iphigenia. <laughs> yeah. Which is closer, apparently, to the ancient Greece than Iphigenia. But I also then looked it up. You know how you can look up, like, how to pronounce things? Yeah. And, like, on YouTube, they'll say it 15 times in a row. They said Iphigenia, Iphigenia. So I was like, all right, fine. So Iphigenia. it's Iphigenia. Iphigenia. I'll try to Because they do call that. her Ginny later, so I think I'm going to... They don't okay. call her Guinea. <laughs> yeah, but Alex... In the most recent episode we did, Alexander's nickname was Alex. Alex so yeah, like, who I don't knows? Know. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So uh, apparently, a couple of times we have mistakenly called the Duchess Deal the Duchess Dare. I think every time, every single time, except for the the actual, actual episode. episode, I called it the Duchess Dare. I think it's just because it's by Tessa Dare. Yeah, that you makes know? sense. And it, I mean, it sounds like a great book too, The Duchess Dare. That sounds like pretty cool. It does. I would totally read The Duchess Dare. You probably I, have, honestly. <laughs> wanna, you know what? I'm going to look it up right now. Let's see if there's a book out there. There's The Duchess Who Dared, <laughs> Life of Margaret, Duchess of Argyll. There's To Dare a Duchess. Okay. There's, and then of course, we've just got The Duchess Deal. Rescuing the Duchess, losing the Duchess, protecting the Duchess. These are about seals, Navy seals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Click on that and read the, everything about it right now. All right, okay. Protecting the Duchess, seal of destiny series. <laughs> when terrorists want you dead, who do you turn to? Being the daughter of a duke has his privileges. Okay, already? She's not a Duchess. <laughs> Dang, guys. Get it right. Magda understood years ago that it comes with numerous disadvantages, too. She's about to discover a terrifying disadvantage. From the time she was a teenager, the Duke has kept all suitors from getting too close. But when she meets a Navy SEAL, things change. Jason doesn't get intimidated. He does the intimidating. Why is a Navy SEAL guarding a Duchess? It, a Duke's daughter. Yeah, come on. Like, come why on. is it an American military member guarding a member of the British? Well, I, who, maybe they're not even British. Her name is Magda. Maybe this is like a 
Albanian. Oh my God. The only seal book I want to read is a book where he's a wear seal. I would say I would read a Selkie book. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really see this like line that goes from Amanda Quick to Julia Quinn to Tessa X. Okay, let me back it up just a little because one of the weird facts that I know about Julia Quinn is that the reason she chose her pen name, Julia Quinn, was to be near Amanda Quick. Exactly. You mentioned that in a previous episode. Amanda yes. Quick's episode, I think. Yeah. And so when, this is actually how I discovered Julia Quinn is I went to the bookstore to buy a book and I picked up How to Marry a Marquess, which is like a great name for a book. Correct. Right? And so I picked it up, I read it, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think this was like definite good marketing. So this is like pre-Instagram marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like very good marketing on Julia Quinn's part because like it totally worked on me. And then I was like, yeah, I like Julia Quinn after this. I would like read her stuff. Um, and so that said, I think that she picked it. She wanted to be near Quick because her books were similar enough to Quick's that, that people who are fans of Quick would like Julia Quinn, mm -hmm. right? So in the fact that they're like cute, right? You've, you've read enough Amanda Quick where you can tell me. Very cute. Right? The, the characters are very cute. There's humor in the books. There is, um, they're sort of on the same side to figure something out. And then the big thing is, of course, he's going to say, I love you in the end. You know, he's very alpha. And then there's this line that goes from Amanda Quick to Julia Quinn. So she writes that a little bit more updated, a little bit more cutesy. Uh, she really fo focuses on like family relationships, which is kind of missing in Amanda Quick. And her heroes are not, every single one of them is not like super alpha, although quite a few of them are alpha. And now I would say like present day, the author's writing right now, I can see this like line continuing to like Tessa Dare, mm -hmm. where we've got this like really funny, like really uh, big emphasis on characterization. And friendship. And friendship. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just feel like these three authors are like the evolution, right? It's like the Pokemon evolution. <laughs> yeah, and I think you'd, a lot of Tessa Dare's characters that we've read so far are alpha. Yes. But not, the definition of that has changed. Yes, yes. And readers want something different too. Yeah. Right? So we started out with, you know, the very 80s. And I would say, you know, each of these authors is groundbreaking in their own way as well. So we've got Amanda Quick, who was groundbreaking in the fact that you're going to read this book and the conflict never, never comes from the relationship. Right. Right? Like, this was not the bodice rippers where the hero rapes the heroine. Exactly. Ever. You will never get that. It's not like a Mars versus Venus. I mean, we've got a little bit of that. Like, oh, he'll never understand I'm a woman. And, oh, you, I will never understand women. You know, we've got a little bit of that. But it's not like the battle of the sexes. Right. And then, you know, we've got this groundbreaking Julia Quinn where I, if you read her books, there's not, there aren't many of those fantastical elements. So I talked about that a little bit, mm -hmm. right? You're not gonna, you usually aren't gonna have like, the hero be a spy. Sure. Or something like that. Um, and now we've got Tessa Dare where the hero is not even going to be a nobleman. Right? Mm-hmm. So we've progressed to a little bit here. So with Julia Quinn, the characters are still, the man is still super handsome. Um, we are moving away from that a little bit with Tessa Dare. And Tessa Dare does have a lot of noblemen. She does. Heroes. I'm not saying that 
you know, they're all different. I mean, there are plenty of authors who don't have noblemen heroes. Right. But, but I just, I think the situation that happens in the beginning of The Duke and I with Simon encountering Daphne being sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to think what some of the modern authors... Yes. Courtney Milan, Tessa Dare, Sarah McLean. What would they do with that? I mean, hopefully it would not play out the same way. I don't think it would. Right? I don't think it would ever be played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of if it was romanticized, I think that would probably depend on the hero and the heroine in the case, whether right. or not the woman was responsible for punching him or the right. guy was. Like, I could see that all playing different, playing out differently, but I can't see it being played for comedy. Exactly. Yeah. And... So I think it's interesting to look, and like we said, this is, The Duke and I is 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago is when it was published. I mean, that's a long time when it comes to social mores and, and feminism, really. Right. You know? So, and I mean, I read the book 10 years ago, which it's not, it's not as long as 20, but yeah, I mean, my, even my views have changed on it since then. Well, and I think it's not so much that your views have changed, because I think if you and I had this conversation 10 years ago, granted I didn't know you then, <laughs> you'd still be upset yeah. by the concept of sexual assault being played as a joke, but it says something about our cultural norms at the time that you didn't pick up on it. Well, and I think we have the... That you were able to just kind of skim past it. Yes. Well, and we have the vocabulary now, too. Like, I know the words rape culture. And I'm like, wait, this is rape culture right here. Like, that's what this is. And I can, by naming it, you can identify it. Right. And I think we're also realizing that these individual instances of rape culture are collectively harmful. Yeah. Whereas previously, you might have dismissed it as, like, the plot of this book. Mm-hmm. Now you see it as part of like a systemic trend. Exactly. Exactly. And I think so. that's what made this, what's making Julia Quinn and to a lesser extent Amanda Quick a little difficult for me. Yeah. Is like, I do want a more modern take. Yeah. Like, look, we all know I wish sexual assault wasn't in books, but if it's right. gotta be in there. Right. You better be writing it as like fucking serious trauma. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whether or not the woman experiences that as such, it should never be. Exactly. So, like, like, like with Daphne, who doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal because she could take care of it on her own, and feels guilty. Like that's the well. Even if she did feel guilty, because again, I can see a woman feeling guilty. This is rape culture. But what I wanted to see after that was Simon saying, "No, actually, you shouldn't feel guilty at all. He was being a total asshole. And if you want to cry, that's fucking fine. Right." Anyway. And rent. <laughs> so there are some dangers to recording a po- podcast. You guys <laughs> might not know, but it's a very dangerous profession. I didn't know how dangerous it was until I came to Lane's new apartment. Yeah, and uh, I have three huge windows that face another building yeah. in my apartment complex across like a courtyard. Mm-hmm. And um, we were trying to record one day. I believe it was The Perils of Pleasure. I believe that's the book, yeah. And uh, we witnessed something that cannot be unseen. <laughs> we can never forget it. It's been <laughs> in sealed on our eyeballs. Because, like many, oh my god, that woman is nude. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Lane. She's so naked. <laughs> what do I do? I mean, she's putting on her shirt. Oh my god. <laughs> she didn't see us, right? I, okay. She had pants on. Was she like totally naked when you saw her? I I didn't stare long enough to know. Dang. 
All right. <clears throat> Holy shit. I need okay. a minute just to... And she, she was like, I'm going to get dressed in front of my window. Facing the window. Thank you for acknowledging that with me. Okay. Um, what was I doing? Say. So he's known throughout the town's widows and thank satisfied you. wives. So that concludes our first episode of Errata. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.